Welcome to the Deep Roots at Home podcast. For those of you new here, the Deep Roots at Home website was founded by Jackie in 2011. As a retired RN, longtime homeschooler, past Lyme sufferer with a love of preventative natural medicinals, Jackie has encouraged women for years now. Our desire is to spread truth and important information during these recent deceptive times, as well as the practicals of homemaking and all things beautiful. Whether you are listening in the car, while you're making dinner for your children, or sitting with a relaxing cup of tea, welcome to the podcast. In this episode, we're going to talk about screen time as a digital drug, brain images showing it's as addictive as opioids. Plus, We're going to talk about pleasure versus happiness and how our brains are conditioned to confuse the two, so stay tuned. Screen time in its multiple forms will be part of your children's lives at some point, but parents must ask themselves how early and to what extent. Is screen time really an educational edge? Some parents think that they're giving their child an educational edge, like Susan, who brought her six-year-old son John an iPad when he was in the first grade. She thought, why not let him get a jump on things? John's school had begun using the devices with younger and younger grades, and his technology teacher had raved about their educational benefits. Dr. Nicholas Carteris, one of the country's foremost addiction experts, who counseled Susan and her son John, writes, She started giving John screen time to play different educational games on his iPad. Soon he discovered Minecraft, which a teacher assured was just like electronic Lego. She remembered how fun she had as a child building Legos. And at first Susan was pleased. John seemed engaged in creative play. But she did notice that the game wasn't quite like the Legos she remembered. After all, she didn't have to kill animals and find rare minerals to survive and get to the next level with her old game. But the school even had a Minecraft club, so how bad could it be? John became more and more focused on his digital game, losing interest in baseball and reading while refusing to do his chores. As his behavior continued to deteriorate, Susan tried to take the game away, but John threw temper tantrums. His outbursts were so severe that she gave in, still rationalizing to herself over and over again that it's educational, but it's even worse than we think. But there is a dose of reality. There's a line. You cross it, and parents may actually unintentionally be doing significantly more harm than good. Tablets are the ultimate shortcut tools. Unlike a mother reading a story to a child, for example, a smartphone-told story spoon-feeds images, words, and pictures, all at once to a young reader. Rather than having to take the time to process a mother's voice into words, visualize complete pictures, and exert the mental effort to follow a storyline, kids who follow stories on their smartphones get lazy. The device does the thinking for them, and as a result, their own cognitive muscles remain weak. That's a quote from Laraz Margolet, PhD. Consider this information on screen time, even though it might feel uncomfortable, and arm yourself with the truth about the potential damage screen time is capable of imparting, particularly in a young, still-developing brain. Let's look at some low-tech parents. There's a reason Steve Jobs was a conscientiously low-tech parent. 
Silicon Valley tech executives and engineers enrolled their kids in no-tech Montessori or Waldorf, Waldorf schools. Google founders Sergey Brin and Larry Page went to no-tech Montessori schools, as did Amazon creators Jeff Bezos and Wikipedia founder Jimmy Wales. We now know that smartphones, iPads, and Xboxes are a form of a digital drug. Recent brain imaging research is showing that they affect the brain's frontal cortex, which controls executive functioning, including impulse control, in exactly the same way that cocaine does. Technology is so hyper-arousing that it raises dopamine levels. We'll talk more about the dopamine later. That is the feel-good neurotransmitter most involved in the addiction dynamic, as much as opiates and sex. Victoria Dunkley says too much screen time damages the brain. Okay, but you might ask, what about kids who aren't addicted, per se, to screen time? Let's be clear, even in children with regular exposure, we should be aware that screen time is creating subtle damage, considering the average child clocks in more than seven hours a day. As a doctor, Dunkley observes that many of the children she sees suffer from sensory overload, lack of restorative sleep, and a hyper-aroused nervous system. Regardless of diagnosis, what she calls electronic screen syndrome. These children are impulsive, moody, and can't pay attention. I would commend to you the YouTube video, Digital Heroin, How Screen Time Affects Developing Brains. This is embedded in the original article from Deep Roots at Home, and the link for that will be at the bottom of these show notes. Unfortunately, screen time has replaced the outdoor time and become a kind of babysitter. Children used to play outside where in unstructured, natural environments, they learned and practiced their social skills. And like the story of Susan and her son, John, we need to get our children back to playing with Legos and toys that don't think for them. Scientists know we can train and retrain the brain. It is moldable. Though our environment, through our environment, we can make the brain weaker or make it stronger. And despite everything we might think is good, like electronic educational games, We have unfortunately remolded our children's brains in the wrong direction, but there is hope we can rewire and retrain the brain by being intentional, and it's so much easier to start young. When we come back, we'll talk about four ways that we can rewire and retrain our brain by being intentional with your children. to vaccines, most mothers and fathers want to know facts, not others' opinions. Jackie wished she had known more facts when she went in for her first well-baby visit. Because Jackie strongly promotes parental choice, she felt led to write a short treatise with personal facts. This vaccination ebook is pretty concise to allow you, the parent, to read, research into the studies she shares, and come up with your own decisions. Jackie's sincere desire is that you and your children thrive, and so she presents to you the vaccination ebook free of charge. Simply go to deeprootsathome.com forward slash vital dash info dash ebook forward slash. That's deeprootsathome.com forward slash vital dash info dash ebook forward slash. So Victoria Prude has ways that we can rewire and retrain the brain of our young ones by being intentional. Firstly, train delayed gratification. Make them wait. It is okay to have I am bored time. This is the first step to creativity. Gradually increase the waiting time between 
I want, and I get. Avoid technology use in cars and restaurants and instead teach them waiting while talking and playing games. Number two, don't be afraid to set the limits. Kids need limits to grow happy and healthy. Make a schedule for mealtimes, sleep times, technology time. Think of what is good for them, not what they want or don't want. They're going to thank you for that later on in life. Limit constant snacking. Parenting is a hard job. Number three, teach your child to do monotonous work from early years, as it is the foundation for future workability. Folding laundry, tidying up toys, hanging clothes, unpacking groceries, setting the table, making lunch, unpacking their lunchbox, making their bed, and number four, have fun with your children. Read aloud, wrestle with your kids, make a Mexican or Italian meal together, do a family game night or a treasure hunt in the house or yard, push the table aside and dance with them, laugh about what they did when they were really little, take walks and look at the clouds. Kids will change when parents change their perspective on parenting. Help your children succeed in life by training and strengthening their brain sooner rather than later. Remember, parenting is about progress, not about perfection. You're you're listening to this because you're a parent who wants to do all you can to help and advance your child in the right direction. You can do it. It's no secret that Jackie absolutely loves TRS. Here is another fantastic testimony. Our three-year-old has been so much more affectionate and loving. She's autistic and has sensory issues, so her tendency has always been to go off by herself to play, and she would actively avoid social and physical contact. Being incredibly sensitive can be so isolating. I'm delighted to report that after six months of TRS, she's so much more sociable and affectionate. It's astounding. She initiates cuddles, welcomes kisses, hugs her big sister, likes hanging out with her little brother, asks grandma to pick her up, and makes sure she's in the company of family regardless of what she's doing. She wakes up every morning with a huge grin, ready to have fun and play. We are so grateful to see our little girl blossoming and joining the world, wanting connection and affection, making eye contact and sharing laughter. Thank you, TRS. For more information, please go to www.deeprootsathomes.com forward slash TRS. That's deeprootsathome.com forward slash TRS. Next, we're going to look at Jackie's blog, Pleasure Versus Happiness. Our brains are conditioned to confuse the two. According to formal Google product, product manager, Tristan Harris, Silicon Valley is engineering your apps, your social media, and your phone to get you to form a habit. Tech companies, which program your phones, are working hard to get you and your family to feel the need to check in constantly. Some programmers call it brain hacking. The tech world would probably prefer you didn't hear about it. Every time I check my phone, I'm playing the slot machine to see what did I get. This is one way to hijack people's minds and form a habit. What you do is you make it so when someone pulls a lever, sometimes they get a reward, an exciting reward. And it turns out that this design technique can be embedded inside all of these products. That quote was by Ramsey Brown. He is a computer programmer who now understands how the brain works, knows how to write code and write algorithms that will get the brain to do certain things by design. 
For any company who profits from engagement-based advertising, they make more money based on the more time people spend on their product. Smartphones and social media are changing the way our brains work. Scientists are zeroing in on what's happening, and the problems may go well beyond anything we could have conceived in our wildest dreams. Someone summed it up. Compared to virtual reality, toys are boring, friends are boring, parents are boring, life is boring, and we're being conditioned to believe that. So let's look at pleasure versus happiness or contentment and the chasm of difference. If you're confused between happiness and pleasure, don't feel alone. Google pleasure and what you'll read is a feeling of happy satisfaction and enjoyment. Money can buy you pleasure, but happiness has to come from somewhere else. Dr. Lustig, author of The Hacking of the American Mind, The Science Behind the Corporate Takeover of Our Bodies and Brains, states, If you've been told your entire life that pleasure is happiness, then you're in big trouble. Dr. Robert Lustig, pediatric endocrinologist, would define it in this way. Quote, Pleasure is short-lived, visceral, usually experienced by oneself, achievable with substances. Happiness, by contrast, is often the opposite, long-lived, ethereal, purposeful, transcendent, often experienced in meaningful social groups and cannot be achieved through substances. Pleasure is taking while happiness is giving. Lustig began to study the effects of children consuming refined sugar, and now he's worried that tech could be working on our brains in similar near-addicting ways. He says technology is a dopamine stimulator. Anything that causes dopamine to rise has as its endpoint addiction. It feeds a potentially dangerous system of motivations and rewards in our brain, leaving us craving another hit. So what's the difference between dopamine, pleasure, and serotonin happiness? Well, dopamine has only five receptors, and this neurotransmitter drives desire and motivation. Serotonin, on the other hand, spreads feel-good signals across the brain. It has at least 14 receptors. Dopamine is addictive. Too much leads to addiction. Whereas serotonin is not addictive, too little leads to depression. Dopamine is short-term, like enjoying a piece of cake. Serotonin is long-term, like contentment. Dopamine is visceral. It's felt in the body. Serotonin is ethereal. Ethereal, it's felt above the neck. Dopamine inspires taking, like cashing in your chips at the casino. Serotonin inspires giving, like volunteering at a soup kitchen. Dopamine typically is experienced alone while you're eating, shopping, drinking, binging. But serotonin is generally shared, spending time with friends, family, colleagues, or a congregation. And finally, dopamine makes the brain say, this feels good, I want more. Serotonin makes the brain say, this feels good and it's enough. The thing about dopamine, pleasure versus serotonin, happiness is only one can win. You can't get contentment from an app or from a purchase, but you can click or buy your way to a whole lot of reward and pleasure. Pleasure relies on dopamine while happiness relies on serotonin. These two emotions involve two different neurotransmitters, regulatory systems and pathways in the brain. So why should anyone care? Well, Dopamine downregulates its own receptor. You get the hit, then a rush, actually killing neurons, and then the receptors go down to try and stop the damage, leaving you with a desire to repeat the rush. So to fire the receptives again, you need more than the last time. 
and then more. Anything that generates pleasure can lead to addiction. Alternatively, serotonin does not downregulate its own receptor because it's needed by the body. So you can't overdose on too much happiness. Unfortunately, though, dopamine does downregulate serotonin, increasing the risk of depression. The more pleasure we seek, the less truly happy we become. Because of this, many believe society has become increasingly stressed, depressed, dumbed down, and broke. Understanding the science-based battle between these two very different emotions may help you take back your life if you're controlled by it. Ultimately, those who bypass happiness for pleasure will end up with neither. We now scientifically know medium multitaskers pay a mental price, which decreases our focus, and this is true for almost all of us. Psychologist David Meyer, who studied this effect of flip-flopping between check-ins, interruptions, and transactions on a phone or a computer, tells us we're actually shooting ourselves up with a dose of the stress hormone cortisol every time. Robert Lustig says, The switching numbs our thoughtful, reasoning, relational prefrontal cortex and kicks up dopamine, our brain's addiction chemical. The cost is, one, we sacrifice healthy relationships. Two, we replace them with an obsessive attachment to a behavior like conditioned like rats in a maze. And three, we feel more stressed. This technique isn't just used by social media. It's intentionally all over the internet. Airline fares that drop at the click of a mouse. Overstock sofas that are there one minute and gone the next. We've got to have it all. We've got to have more. We've got to have it now. We're scratching addictive pleasures, itches, all over our screens. Like gambling, they do it on an unpredictable schedule. And that's called a variable ratio schedule. And it's something the human brain goes crazy for. Tristan Harris says, whether they want to or not, they are shaping the thoughts and feelings and actions of people. They are programming people. It's weakening our relationship to each other and destroying our kids' ability to focus. Hopefully, we can learn the difference between a quick rush of pleasure and long-lasting contentment that's the true definition of happiness. When we substitute pleasure for true connectedness, we lose so much. But there are positive things that parents can do to prevent this. Jackie has written a PDF called Starving Brains and Poor Attention Spans for Boys, 30 Quick Tips to Help Parents. These tips will help not only parents of boys that have uh, difficult attention spans, but for girls as well. If you go to deeprootsathome.com forward slash screen time child's brain forward slash, you can sign up to receive this free PDF to your inbox. That is deeprootsathome.com forward slash screen time child's brain forward slash. There are many things that you can do to reverse the damage done through too much screen time. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Romans fifteen thirteen. Thanks for joining us on the Deep Roots at Home podcast. We pray it has encouraged you in your walk with the Lord and as you serve your family. Could you do us a favor? If this has blessed you, could you help us spread the word by liking and sharing this podcast with your friends? And don't forget, we have lots of great links in the show notes that go along with today's podcast. See you next time.
Today we are going to hear more about Jackie's upbringing, her early adulthood, and her marriage, with her testimony which includes her abortion, repentance, and her struggles with infertility. So stay tuned.